Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you would please. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's stand in honor of God's word. 1 Corinthians 14. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to look at a few verses. This is a lengthy chapter, obviously, 40 verses. And, um, and it's, uh, it's a very unique setting. Obviously, there's a unit here that starts really in chapter number 12 when he says, uh, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So he really begins there and it goes through chapter 12 and into chapter 13, how the gifts ought to be operated. And so the problem uh, was not the spiritual gifts. The problem was their lack of spirituality in using the gifts. And so that's, that is the problem. So then chapter 14 probably is most known for the reference to tongues. In fact, if you just took this chapter and um, evaluated the modern tongues movement on this chapter alone, it shut the whole thing down, quite honestly. I mean, just, just the way that the modern tongues movement is operating is way, I mean, even when tongues were in operation, because we see in scripture that tongues have ceased and that they're no longer uh, in operation like it was at that day and time, which also this, that uh, when you see the word tongues here, even in chapter 14, it's known languages. It's not, it's not gibberish. The Spirit of God doesn't produce a wild, out of control type services where people are rolling in the aisles and barking like dogs. No, that's all manufactured. Uh, the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is temperance, which is self-control. So you can't have both. So anyways, there's a lot of reasons as to why this, this would just shut that down. Now tonight, for our purposes, I, I'd like, I want to deal with the context of it because it'll, it'll just, well, it'll, it'll help us, you know, deal with the context of it. But I, I, want to, I want to deal with it with our theme in mind. And I think you'll see why as we get into it. Of course, our theme as we worked on it this morning, maybe you were elsewhere, maybe some new members here um, or people visiting. But our theme this year is two words out of Matthew 28 and verse number 20. Now that has a context as well. But the theme is this, teach them. Impacting the next generation with truth, that they might apply it to life and um, that we'd have another generation, um, not, not just age-wise growing up here at Southwest Baptist Church, but also just another generation of mature, godly saints that want to honor and serve the Lord, okay? So I'm going to jump around a little bit in our reading for the sake of time, so do your best to follow along. Verse number one. Follow after charity. Make that your pursuit, Paul's saying. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. And then he begins to explain. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men, in these things to edification. Everybody see that? I'm in verse three. Edification and exhortation and what? Comfort, encouragement, help, help. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now we'll come back to that verse because it's easy to misunderstand what Paul is saying there. He's not advocating a spiritual language. 
that a person would just speak in in private and edify themselves. That's not at all what he's saying. That would, that would contradict everything else he's saying. Okay. So, um, where are we at? Verse number five. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive what? Edifying. Okay, edifying. Edifying or edification is the key to this chapter. And if it doesn't edify, don't do it. Okay. Well, why, why is that? Well, it, there, there needs to be a building up. Okay, verse number 12. Let's, let's go to that verse. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, he says, seek that ye may excel to the what? Edifying of the church. Edifying of the church. Okay, then there's some more explanation in it. For the sake of time, I'm going to ask us to drop down to verse 20. Brethren, Brethren, be not children in what? Understanding. Okay, we need understanding. Bible knowledge and application. Be not children in understanding. How be it in malice? Be ye children. Be, be innocent. The, the idea is there is, um, well, there was a lot of malice in the church. And he's saying, hey, um, this shouldn't be a matter of competition within the church. And so there's that. And, and he's saying, in mouths be ye children, but in understanding be men. Okay, what's he saying right there? Can I say it in two words? Grow up. How's that? Well, that could be preached today, couldn't it? Grow up. Okay. okay. It's felt better saying that, amen? I'm saying that mainly to myself. Grow up. You ever have to say that to yourself? Sure. Okay. Okay, now verse number 23. Let's just drop down there. So he begins to describe a church service, which we're in. In case you forgot. If, therefore, the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are, what? Unlearned or unbelievers, Will they not say that ye are mad, crazy, out your mind? Sure they would. But, verse 24, if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned, he is convinced of all. Everybody see that? Of all. Not just the preacher. He's convinced of all. And is judged of all. Is that what it says? I kind of lost my place, but I think he is judged of all. And thus the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so, here's the result, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. It'll make a real difference. A heart change. Okay, so verse number 26, the latter part of it, let all things, all things be done unto what? Edifying. There it is again. All right, now, uh, verse number 31, realize we're kind of jumping around a little bit. Maybe it feels a little bit disjointed, but I think it'll come together as we get into it. For you may all prophesy one by one that all may, what? 
learn, that all may learn, that all may learn and all may be comforted. In fact, I'm, I'm borrowing um, the words here that all may learn as our title for the message tonight, that all, and in fact, I'm emphasizing capital A-L-L, that all, that all may learn, that all may learn. Nobody, nobody needs to be exempt from the learning process that takes place in a church service, which means there's got to be intelligible. <laughs> How ironic that I didn't say that very clearly. Intelligible, better, speech. The irony of this is there's great potential for this to not be clear. And the whole chapter is about clarity. So, because things have got to be clear for you to understand and you got to understand for you to be edified. Okay, so that all may learn. Consider though, here's what I want you to consider. Consider your contribution to the church service. Okay, consider your contribution to the church service service. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. We'll get into it. I'm going to ask for the athe to come and I'll give a little background. Uh, obviously our theme is driving this. I've kind of got a lot of things on my mind here tonight. Uh, but one of which is the ACL, ser ASL services, uh, that, <laughs> oh boy, would y'all pray, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that are about to take place. And so you might wonder, you know, what, why start a, a service completely from start to finish in sign language um, where there's going to be a, a song leader, Brother Noe, over here. Brother Noe, uh, if you raise your hand, he's going to lead the singing. Brother Noe is deaf and he will lead the singing there and they will, they'll sign. Um, it's, uh, by the way, many of you enjoyed in the cantata over here, all the signers, I think uh, maybe four or five signers at, at one time. And Brother Ben Davis worked with them signing together. And that was powerful. It's powerful. It's a beautiful language. And, um, and even the deaf culture has its own culture. And so it's, it's very much a foreign language. And, and I really feel, I know I've mentioned this before, but I feel for folks like Brother Tim and others that are signing, Josiah's signing even right now, that especially when I get in a preaching fury and maybe my words are <laughs> like they're doing tonight, that I wonder how are they surviving? But I can't think about it. I just have to go ahead and preach and let them figure it out, right? <laughs> so I'm going to ask Brother Tim to come up and do something. And, and he's, going to, he's, going to, uh, he's going to read a verse for us here tonight. So I'd like for, to ask him to do that. And uh, this is the sign of uh, amen. Okay, in sign language, that means amen. I mean, you say, I think the only reason I knew to say amen right there is it looked like he was done. <laughs> is that about right? Is that about right? Thank you, Brother Tim. I appreciate that. Pray for Brother Tim as he gets started preaching. He's working here one, one day a week. He also has another job, but he's going to be studying and preparing messages every week and visiting and discipling. You know why you didn't understand that? Because we don't speak that language. There's a little bit of a reverse Imagine that you were deaf and you couldn't hear what I'm saying tonight and there was no one to interpret. 
You know, I think about that often as I'm sitting here enjoying the music and enjoying the piano special a lot. And that I, I can hear that, but others cannot. You know, that, that really ought to grip our hearts. And, um, but I'm thankful for those. And the sign language ministry has been taking place here for many, many years. Uh, the interpreting of that and getting the message across by interpretation. I love the testimony Brother Ben has. I don't know where Brother Ben Davis is right now, but Brother Ben, uh, his dad pastors down in Texas. And uh, there was a man that was signing, uh, you know, in the services for those those church services, and but then he moved away, I believe. Brother Ben was maybe eight or 10 years old, somewhere right in there. His dad said, I don't know what we're gonna do. You know, we have this man that's leaving. And, and Brother Ben said, Dad, I think I can do it. I've been watching him. And so at age 10 or whatever it was, he started interpreting for, in the services just cause he'd been watching. And now he's actually uh, very advanced in sign language here in Oklahoma City and is called upon at a high level uh, to sign and interpret. And we're blessed to have folks like that, Ms. Debbie Staten and others that have been in the ministry for many, many years now that can help people understand what the preacher's saying because they can't hear. Now, some of you would say, you know, I'd like to have an interpreter every now and then. That's totally different. I don't know if you remember this. We were over in the gym when we came across this passage back in our series through 1 Corinthians, but I gave the, uh, the title of the message in the bulletin this, uh, Tiene que entender para uh, ser edificado. <laughs> Somebody just said in silent. Seth just said in silent. Amen. <laughs> he just mixed languages right there, right? Now, you know what, what was going on there? There was a lot of Spanish-speaking people here, and you realize in a hurry that I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> but you can't even say amen if you don't understand the language. Really, that's what Paul's dealing with here. And, and what was going on? It was a craze. I mean, that, what was meant for good, God, God gave the, the, the gift of tongues on the day of Pentecost as a sign, and, and they heard everyone in their own language. And so it's so important because this heavenly language uh, idea is nowhere found in the Bible because it was known languages. And so what Paul is dealing with here is a church that is into sensationalism and, and uh, the people that were speaking in tongues, they were the most popular. And really what happened is that their gift was used more like a toy than a tool. And it was more for themselves than the edifying, which God meant it to be, the edifying of the church and the sign to the Jews that were in unbelief. And he deals with all this. And we really don't have time here tonight to deal with all the ins and outs like we would, like actually we've done in a series. Brother Sam wrote a series of lessons on the spiritual gifts. Very, very helpful. I look back over those today because uh, there, there can be a lot of confusion in these verses here. But, but mainly tonight, I, I want us to think about... We we need to think about others when we come to church because really we're supposed to come here and, and, and endeavor to edify one another. Now, in the midst of that, in the process of that, will you be blessed and will you be edified? Will you be encouraged? Absolutely. Thank God for that. But here's the danger. We could make church services about our experience or even this about our admiration. 
okay? Because the gifts are given to build up. That's the word edify, to build up the church, not to build up the reputation of the person that has the gift. And so tongues were being abused. But let me ask you this, could preaching be abused? Sure it could. And every preacher in here, we better take heed to this because um, I love that quote. I can't quote it exactly right right now, but the quote that says, you know, uh, kind of glorying in yourself as a preacher would be like someone who delivered the peace documents to end the war thinking he ended the war. What'd you do to end the war? I, I brought the peace documents. No, you didn't end the war. You just delivered the message. Hey, you know, all I am and all that any preacher is here tonight, we are just messengers. The emphasis ought to be on the message and the Spirit of God using the message, not on the preacher and his dynamics. Now, if God's called you to preach, don't hold back. But don't try to use preaching to get glory to yourself. And every one of us are susceptible to that, whether it is preaching or if it is teaching. Could a teacher make teaching all about himself in the class liking him or her? Just barely got that out, but did you hear it? Sure they could. Or, or could a singer make it all about them being appreciated? But, but what a difference in a, in a service if we would focus on God help me preach this, God help me teach this, God help me sing this, or God help me serve well in hospitality. You know, you could take hospitality and make it all about yourself, that you're the greatest greeter this side of Walmart. I'm telling you, this flesh that we live with is so sinful that we can make serving God about serving us. We can, we can use it to serve ourselves. And, and so that's a big bulk. In fact, that's really the main theme that, that Paul is dealing with here, that he doesn't want the services to, to be about them because his chief concern is growing in the ministry. And to grow in the ministry, people have got to understand Got to understand. And if, and if somebody was up there, in fact, what they had was several people speaking in tongues at one time. Um, and, and that was just confusing. And, and Paul said, listen, if, if somebody's going to have the gift of tongues, then there's got to be interpretation. Somebody's got to interpret. I mentioned my uncle this morning. He said uh, he had a guy that, I think he's just making a joke, but he said he had a guy that stood up and started talking and speaking in tongues in a service and they tried to stop him. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can interpret. He said, I'm going to give a thousand dollars in the offering. <laughs> well, that guy kind of got quiet after that, imagine. So Paul is saying, hey, listen, the, the service is supposed to be about edification and, and thus that, that requires, here, here's a key word tonight, clarity. Clarity. Part of the reason I wanted to deal with this passage is that the reason that we are starting an ASL service is for the sake of clarity. Because I can't imagine how much is lost in interpretation. And so for them to slow it down and, and to be able to clearly communicate, it's going to be worth it. You know, that's why we send missionaries. That's why we started a Spanish-speaking church across town that, or down the street, actually, that is, that is going strong. Hey, because of clarity. Listen, God gave his word to be understood. And you don't have to have a secret decoder ring to get it figured out. No, you just need one in your language. And thank God we've got one in our language that God has preserved for us. 
Clarity is the first order of business. And, and when there's clarity, then we see what happens in verse number three. If I could just review some of these, I, I actually intended to do a little bit more exposition even in verses one and two. And, but I, I think we've already kind of covered that idea because, because Paul is saying, hey, listen, if, if, if you speak in tongues, then you just edify yourself, which he's not saying you speak in some heavenly language there, but he's just simply saying, if, if you are speaking in tongues, biblical tongues, a known language, then you should be understanding what you're saying. Otherwise, you can't be edified. Everybody get that? Wait, 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 wait a minute. Was that clear? If you don't understand what you're thinking, you can't be built up. So for Paul to say there's this heavenly language that you can pray in that's just kind of like a secret language between you and God, that's not what Paul is saying there because he talks about even in that that you need to be edified and you can't be edified in something you don't understand. Mention that and move on. But, but it is right there. And, but look what preaching accomplishes. And so that's why he's emphasizing prophecy. By the way, prophecy wouldn't just be foretelling, but it would be forthtelling. Declaring what God has said. Very clearly saying what God has said. Boy, that's our goal here. Whether preached or taught, the goal is to say, look at what God is saying to us. And so that verse number three, what happens is that people are edified, exhorted. You know what that means? That means there ought to be, you're not doing something you ought to be doing and God doesn't let you get a buy on that. And that's where he uses the word to, to confront us and to exhort us to do right. And at times to comfort, to encourage, to come alongside and to develop. Well, the only way that you can be edified, exhorted, and comforted is if you understand what is being said. Okay, now bear with me here. We're, we're getting to the nitty gritty of it here just a little bit. And so Paul is addressing the situation that is there. Instead of edifying the church, they were edifying themselves. They were building up themselves. And thus that was creating quite a bit of confusion. And so he gives some illustrations just to kind of walk through this a little bit. He says, if it's a musical instrument, then there's got to be clarity in it. Can you imagine if we played, if we played tonight together, a collective game of name that tune. And I just went over here and just went to pecking at it, which is about all that I could do. You'd say, I can't name that tune because it's got no sense to it. And that's what Paul is saying. People couldn't understand the message because it's got no sense to it. Okay. Or if, if somebody is, is blowing a trumpet in battle, then for the military to respond properly, there's got to be clarity about whether that trumpet is sounding charge or retreat. But if he's just tooting his own horn, he said, well, man, he can play real well, but we don't have a clue what we're supposed to do right now. Hey, listen, we're, we, we are in a battle. I'm, I'm saying right now, as, as people living today, we are in a battle. And what's sad to me is that sometimes people go to church trying to get a little bit of help in some direction, but what's going on is a show. And they leave more confused and they don't know what to do. And so may God help us here at Southwest and may our contribution be that whether you're the one preaching or teaching or whether you're the one in the pew and you're saying, amen, preacher. 
sounds like it. Amen. Amen, preacher. Then when you say amen, what you're doing to, what you're doing right there is you're calling attention to it and saying what he's saying right there, that's true. And then somebody in here walks in and they're going through a struggle like we had even this morning. And I thank God for the opportunity even after the service. By the way, a lot of the service takes place after the service. And that's not just for the preacher to do, but that's for you. And I watch you do that. You look around and hey, listen, your contribution to the service is sitting in the service and number one, paying attention. And, and participating. In fact, in here he even talks about music. And in, in fact, Brother Seth, I just walked by, I heard you saying a word about music. Then Brother Kevin taught a lesson to the young men of the youth department. Miss Babishak, I believe it was, taught the young ladies in a combined about music. And that music is not just to prepare our hearts for the message, but music, according to God's word, is that God is the audience and we sing to him. So how rude would it be to be singing to him and yet talking to your buddy or talking to your friend or talking to your girlfriend? Hello? Hello. Every now and then I need to say something to somebody up here, but I try to lock in and be dialed in on what, we're not up here just having a grand old time, man. Look at preacher up there and Brother Ted, they're just cracking up and going on and talking about the thunder game. No, 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 not at all. Just a moment ago during the song service, I said, now Brother Sam, I want to verify that, that Miss Yeager, that that's a recent thing that she's in the hospital. You know, things happening on Sunday and, and, and he was verifying that and that was the extent of our conversation. I took some time just a moment. Do you understand that? Is that... But while you're in the service and it's time to sing, then listen, friend, remember to whom it is that you're singing. And sing, as Paul said, even in this chapter, sing with understanding and think about what you're singing. You might actually enjoy the song service. You might think, wow, I've sung this song a hundred times, but it feels like a brand new song, a new song he puts in your mouth. A new song might actually be a very old song. Is that, okay, wait, is that, is that clear? Here I'm preaching on clarity and I want to confuse you. Hey, listen, I'm just simply saying that an old song that you've been singing for years may have a even more impact when you're going through the refiner's fire or you're on that potter's wheel and then God is speaking to you. Then you can sing to him in a way that, man, it just makes so much more sense now that I see it so clear. And your, your participation in the service, you say, it doesn't really matter if I do. Hey, I'm telling you, it does matter. It does matter. Uh, you're either contributing by helping people be tiled in and tuned into the service, or you're distracting them from the service. So I, I believe we need to have an elevated view of church services, don't you? I believe we need to have an elevated view. I'm not talking about high church and where we just are very stiff and can't, can't say amen and don't raise a hand. No, you go ahead. God moves your heart, man. Say amen. Praise the Lord and, and thank God. I mean, it ought not be dead and cold, but at the same time, this is a church service. This is not a ball game where you bring popcorn in and drinks in and where you go in and out as you please. I, nobody's moving now for sure, right? <laughs> but I, I, I'm saying to you, listen, an, an application of this passage would be, I want to make sure that everything I do in this service is contributing to somebody else being edified. Because somebody may need to be convicted. Somebody may need to be judged in the sense of being held accountable. Somebody may need to fall down before God and say, God, I've been wicked. I've been wrong. But these folks, there's something different about them. Hey, listen, are you making a contribution or are you taking away from the service here tonight? 
Your very attendance makes a contribution. The fact that you're here, hey, you bless my heart. I told Brother Sam in a, in a text earlier, I just was blown away, you know, even just by the attendance. Thank, why should I think otherwise? It's Southwest Baptist Church. You're supposed to be in church. And I realize we've got some elderly that aren't able to get in, but there's a lot of able-bodied people that go to a lot of ball games. Even when there's snow on the ground or it's cold outside, they'll be able to make their way into the Paycom centers. That's what it's called now. The Paycom center, they'll be able to get in there and watch thunder, but they can't make it into a church service. All right. Hey, but I'm just simply saying to you that being faithful in church, and, and I realize there's reasons as to why somebody maybe couldn't be here. In fact, if you're not well and you're running a temperature, please don't come. We'll pray for you from a distance, right? But if you're able-bodied and you're able to be here, hey, hey, don't think, man, I got to go to church again. No, wait a minute. We're talking about eternal things that can change your life. Thank God we get to be in church on a Sunday night. And since growth comes through understanding, I don't think we need to cut off our resource of understanding and say, well, let's have less services so we can have more free time. No, what we need is the word of God being preached to us and taught to us so that I can understand the sinner that I am and understand the savior that he is and understand what he wants me to do. And thus I fall down on my face and thank God for what he's doing. We don't need less, we need more. So attend the services. And when you're here, be all there. Be dialed in, be tuned in. Sit where you can listen. Sit where you can pay attention and take notes and listen and, and think about how this applies to your life. It's meant to encourage. It's meant to exhort. It's meant to comfort. It's meant to, to, to convict. If you look at, at the other verses that we read a moment ago in verse number, verse number 24 and such that you're convicted of all. And there are people that will come in that are unlearned and unchurched and maybe even unsaved. And they're judged of all in the sense that they're held accountable for that. And, and thus the secrets, have you ever had this happen to you? The secrets of your heart are manifest. I'm not saying like they put it up on the screen. But the secrets of your heart are manifest in this sense. Man, who told preacher what my week was like? I can't tell you how many times as Brother Sam was up here preaching the word and I'm out here sitting about where Brother Switzer is or right in that vicinity and, and, and such that, that I thought my soul, who told him about that? You know, you know what that is? That's not the preacher. That's not him. That's the word of God. That is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, we, we don't, we don't need... We don't need more preachers that are geared towards entertaining. We need more preachers that are geared towards preaching the word. It's amazing. And, and we're always constantly in danger of it. And I'm preaching this because we have a lot of people in here that are called to preach. And there's the inclination to think, you know, I wonder if maybe if, if drama might have more of an impact. Or what if we could just show a good Christian film here tonight? I wonder if we could just maybe um, have a little bit more entertainment and a little bit less preaching. Or maybe if we could have a little bit more preaching that's not so preachy. Would you want steak that's a little less steaky? Okay, I just made that word up. 
No, 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 friend. If I got steak, I wouldn't be all steak. Amen. So you don't need preaching that's less preachy. You need to be confronted. I need to be confronted. I need to learn. I need to be taught. I need to be confronted. You need to be confronted. We need the word. We need the word. In fact, that has everything to do with as to why we are having a church planning conference is that God might inspire and speak to some people's heart about being called to preach and about being called to go out and, and, and start churches that will indeed be Bible preaching centers where people can come and hear the word preached. And not the latest movie review. And not using the latest movie clip. Not being infatuated with CCM, the contemporary Christian music scene. Not infatuated with coffee shops and thinking that's going to change America. America's got plenty of coffee shops. I'm not against coffee. I'm not against shops. I'm not against coffee shops. But we're living in a time when Christianity as a whole has become much more casual and more inclined to sip lattes than to really deal with real conviction of the heart. We don't need more auditoriums that resemble nightclubs. We don't need more DJs. We need that which is known as the foolishness of preaching. Brother Ted said in his notes, I borrowed your notes, Brother Ted. I don't think I mentioned that to you, but I did. His notes on this chapter, and he said, preaching today, he's talking about modern times, preaching is not just foolishness to those that are outside the church. Sadly, it's become foolishness to those that are trying to lead the church. You know what happens? Churches get away from preaching, and then they digress. And then they have a revival and say, you know what we need? Preaching. And then they get revived. And then they go through that cycle again. I'm just simply telling you, when preaching takes a back burner and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's overshadowed by whatever else it may be, and I'm, I hope this doesn't come across as self-serving because that's not it at all. I'm just trying to say, Paul said, I'd rather say five words in, in prophecy. I'd rather say five words in preaching. You say, could you preach one of those sermons? He just said, I'd rather <laughs> preach with five words. The Lord is my shepherd. Then, humana, 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 Can anybody interpret that? I can't. I just made it up in an embarrassing moment right then. He said, I'd rather preach five words than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. And nothing's going to benefit anybody. We're interested in starting churches that are focused on preaching the Bible. Now, let me say this and we'll come to a close. All of us need to be very mindful of others as we come into the church services to seek to edify. Because I guarantee you, every single service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, there's most likely somebody sitting around you that doesn't understand everything that's going on. You realize we have... Uh, 
a lady, I'm not sure if she's here tonight, but just that was trying to grow and didn't grow up in church. You know, when you grow up in church, there's a lot of things you just know because you've heard the stories over and over. Like, you know who Elijah is and Mount Carmel and who he faced there, the prophets of Baal. You know stuff like that. You know, you know that it's the book of Job, not the book of Job. You know it's Malachi, not Malachi, the Italian prophet. You know stuff like that, right? You know that. But somebody coming in here, I mean, it happens every week. I, I, in fact, just deal with, hey, can you turn to this book? And they were going the wrong way. Well, they just need somebody that'll be compassionate and help them get the right way. It's probably been a long time since you've had to look up in the front of your Bible, what page number, does this have page numbers? What, yeah, what page number is Deuteronomy? 252 in my Bible. It's been a long time since you've had to do that. You just go right to Deuteronomy. But I guarantee you there's people sitting around you that don't know exactly where Deuteronomy is, especially like on a Sunday morning. And a lady that's, that's coming to church here would go out to the gym and pick up the papers from the kids as, the, as kids left. You know, they, they leave, but they, don't, they leave other things behind. And they left papers behind, like the Sunday school papers that have a Bible story. And every week she'd go out there and pick those up so that she could learn the Bible stories because she didn't hear them when she was in the third grade. We need to make sure that people understand the religious terms that we're using. Not to shy away from Bible terms. In fact, witnessing to someone this morning right after the service... Walk through Romans 3, justification, propitiation, righteousness, and other terms like that. And we just took the time to define it. Now, he'd already been studying quite a bit and knew a lot of those terms. Really took less time. But hey, don't shy away from using the terms. Just make sure they understand what they mean. Because otherwise, it's like a trip to the doctor's office and he's using jargon that you have no clue. And then when he writes it down, you still can't read it. Right? Now, that's not a picking on doctors. I'm just simply saying we got to be careful about our terms and you can help others individually. And, you know, that is why we have Sunday school classes according to age range and according to life stage and and marital status, even because there's things that married people are going through that single people uh, think they want to go through. <laughs> you get it? It's just a difference in what's going on in life. And so that's why we zero on. Same, same Bible, same lessons, but it's applied here to the young people, to, the, to the, young, the, the young people. It's applied here because of what they're going through, but, but they're not the only ones that are dealing with that. So are young Marys. They're just dealing with that at another level and they're sometimes better skilled at hiding it. So we, we try to do that for the sake of understanding. It is also why we have uh, children's services and teen services. Those are not babysitting times, child sitting times, teen sitting times. Those are times when the word is preached and taught at a level where they're understanding it and can apply it. And I appreciate the type of preaching that's going on in this property, not just here in this auditorium, but everywhere across the property, age appropriate, where it's understood so that people can be saved and so that young lives could be changed and spared a lot of hurt from an early age. But they got to understand 
So God bless all of you who weekly endeavor to teach and you try to start as early as you can so you can meditate on that message all in that lesson all week long. I remember interviewing Miss Marie Tatum as I went to her home and, and she took me to the room where she had all the uh, um, flannel graphs that she had drawn herself. But she would start her Sunday school lesson studying for it on Sunday afternoon so that she'd be ready by the next Sunday morning. That means it's important to her. And God bless all of you that teach and you work real hard to make sure that your, your class understands for the sake of growth. And I just love what Paul said, that all may learn. That all may learn. And church, that's why our theme this year is teach them. And that's why I'm glad, students, that you're back. I realize you're coming from very good Bible-preaching churches, but you followed God's leadership to be here. Those of you that just came up here and introduced yourself, I know many of you, and I've been in some of those churches there and seen some of those young people. The pastor and parents are trusting them, Southwest. They're trusting us for them to come here to learn some things. And they don't just learn at the Bible college. They learn here while they're serving. We've got a great opportunity to teach them how to be clear in Bible preaching and teaching. And even if you stumble with your word, just go ahead and try to get it out there anyways. And let God use his word preached to make a difference in lives. And put the emphasis where it belongs. It's on the word preached, not on your preaching. And thank you for saying amen. Because when you do that, you're calling attention to the fact that that's true. And we all need that. Father, thank you for our time together. Uh, Lord, I pray that you bless the invitation. Help us, Lord, um, to be mindful of others in the service, to think about our contribution, that we would come in here to contribute, not to distract or to cause any kind of confusion or to take attention away from you. Lord, help me as a preacher not to do that. Help me to get attention on you and your word. Help us not to hold back, but help us to do it for the right reasons. Help us with this week coming up. It's a busy week. It's a big week. It's a blessed week. It's a great opportunity. I just pray you'd help, Lord, us to think about the need for church planning. God, help us to be good hosts. Help us to be mindful that there's going to be families coming in here needing some edification. God, I pray that you'd help us in that way, help us to contribute. God, I pray again for the services that'll take place among the deaf and hard of hearing, that you'd help them, God, to have services that would honor and glorify you. They might understand and grow. Again, I pray for, for Lord, your help in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.